Welcome to Women Waken, a podcast that helps you heal spiritually from trauma in relationships, childhood, and early life conditioning to shift from a place of codependency to a state of divine feminine love, acceptance, harmony, and abundance. On Women Waken, we begin the journey to waken from the illusion of needing to prove our worth into the divine experience of knowing our worth. I'm your host, Whitney Walker. I'm a licensed mental health therapist, and I specialize in substance abuse, addiction, eating disorders, trauma, and spirituality. I'm also a fellow human being who has faced most of the issues that I explore on this show. On today's guest episode, I welcome my dear friend, Eleni Midas. Eleni is an author of the book, Mindset Dominance, as well as her new book to soon be released, Ego Exposed. She's also a podcast host of the Shame Game and Soul Sisters Get Real, both which I had the pleasure of being a guest on. On today's episode, Eleni and I explore the concepts of spiritual awakenings, following our soul's calling, and how to fall madly in love with yourself and your life, despite perceived setbacks, challenges, and held shame that we have that we can learn to let go of and truly take the call from our soul. So take a listen and enjoy. Hi, Eleni. Welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Thank you so much for having me back. I love talking to you, Whitney. (laughs) So lovely to have you. And I had so much fun being on your podcast. You have two podcasts, actually, and I was on both of them. <laughs> yes, and you were. You spoke about shame, which is a big theme of your work. And we yeah. also spoke about, well, I did tarot. I did that for the Soul Sisters. Uh, get Soul Sisters Get Real is the name of one of your podcasts. Yeah. You did. And uh, I loved it because both those topics were very different but um, very, very relevant at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, they're fun. So, yeah, you have the shame game is one, and then Soul Sisters Get Real. And you're also an author of the books Mindset Dominance and Ego Exposed. Yes, yeah, so Mindset Dominance I wrote in 2014, and that was really when I was completely immersed in the hypnotherapy world. I still have hypnotherapy clinics, but I no longer practice hypnotherapy. I mentor and I coach, but I don't practice it myself anymore. Um, and so that was called Mindset Dominance. And now um, I haven't published my next book yet. It's still in second draft. It's called The Ego Exposed. Yes, yeah, so I'm in the midst of editing at the moment. So completely different. It's interesting because, you know, mindset dominance is all about using our mind to achieve whatever it is that we need to achieve. And this is just the next step now. This is like really making sure that we're connected to the heart and that we lead from the heart as opposed to um, the mind. So, and working with the mind as opposed to allowing it to, to dominate. So really different. And you can just see the evolution of where I've gone by the different types of books. Yeah. So ego exposed, what, what came, how did that title come to you? Is it about exploring our attachment to ego or when ego is kind of guiding our decisions? 
Yeah, look, for me, um, when I had my spiritual awakening in July 2021, it was all about the ego. So I saw my ego for the very first time and I was absolutely shocked. And from that day onwards, my whole life did a whole 360 and completely I changed every part of my life because I was now very aware of the role that the ego played in the world. So my my book's in three parts. The first part is the actual spiritual awakening, what actually happened. The second one is eight mind-bending revelations, like what did I discover about the world? And the final one was the universe, I should say. And the final one was the path to peace. So how can we, with these integrations, with these learnings that I had, how can we integrate them into our daily life? How can it be practical so that it actually serves us so that we have this path to peace as opposed to stress and drama? And so, um, yeah, that's that's what the book is about. It's it's all about the ego, uh, what the how the ego works in our lives, how we can actually learn to live with it and manage it and observe it and lead a life that really is governed from our heart. Sounds beautiful to me. Yeah. Sounds good. So, Eleni, you said that you had a spiritual awakening at 53 years old. So that's mm-hmm. kind of later on in life for someone to have a pretty dramatic shift in their focus and their beliefs and their work. Can you share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, sure, of course. But I guess everything is an evolution. So if we go right back to, say, you know, 30 years ago, I had depression and chronic anxiety because it was a time when I was really questioning my belief systems about how I needed to live my life. And that's when I decided to separate from my first husband, which was a really traumatic period for me. And it really was about stepping into my empowerment of really free will in terms of doing what I wanted to do as opposed to what my family and my belief systems and my cultural conditioning wanted me to do. So that was the first stage. It was, it was you know, becoming empowered within myself. And then I left the corporate world which I was in there for 22 years and formed my own business and taught thousands of other people hypnotherapy. And the spiritual awakening came later. So so first of all, you know, we leave victim consciousness behind, we become empowered, uh, we realise that anything is possible and everything is infinite and that's where people really step into this law of attraction kind of the secret kind of teachings which is, oh, I create my own life. I didn't know that before. And that awakening process happened during that time and then it was late in life but it was after all of the other stuff had already occurred. So I was already understanding that you know, I can create my own life, that I am the creator, that anything I want I can do. Those concepts were already embodied. But what I didn't understand um, at 53 before I had my spiritual awakening was the role of the ego and how the ego had really stepped in the driver's seat of my life to the point of me working myself to exhaustion me working myself to the um, align with the belief that that was the only way to to live my life and that was the only way I could achieve what I wanted to achieve 
And so it was a complete reckoning of this is what's going on in your life. I thought I was just confident. (laughs) But no, it was the ego that was actually driving. I'm not saying that I wasn't, you know, also operating from the heart because I had a heart-based business, hypnotherapy business, where we help people with depression and anxiety. Totally was. But in terms of the way that I chose to um, run my business, it was all about, okay, the next event, the next outcome, the next goal, the next lot of clients, the next, it was all about this, this incredible destination that I was like, running towards the destination of financial freedom, which I learned during my spiritual awakening that there is no destination, that the destination is right here, right now. And so that's where I had to completely change the way that I live my life, how I made decisions in my personal life and my business life, let go of those elements of me that were controlling let go of the masculine part of me that wanted to control and that's all she knew in terms of getting ahead was was to work through the masculine. So it was all of that. But, yes, that was, that was my journey. I really believe, Whitney, that, you know, you had your spiritual awakening a lot earlier than me. Um, some people have it earlier, some people have it later, but it's so divine because I, I had to have all those experiences in order to bring forth what I'm now bringing forth to the world. Like we're all exactly where we're supposed to be. Absolutely. And thank you so much for sharing that, Eleni, because it's so important for people to hear, I think about various people's spiritual awakening experiences, because they're as unique as each person. No two spiritual awakenings are alike. And just as you said, some people, it happens. I, I met somebody who felt they had a spiritual awakening when they were like five years old, they had a spiritual experience and they it shifted their perspective on life. Some people, it doesn't happen until midlife or even towards the end of life, right? It's so different and it has different repercussions or results, right? Some people, it changes the course of their life. Some people, it just is sort of an inside shift. You just are able to embrace yourself more and your story and have more peace and acceptance around who you are and what's happened to you. And there are also layers as well. So there are layers of awakening. So, you know, I knew about miracles in my spirit team and my spirit family well before then. But like I said, I, I I didn't have that ego death experience. Of course, it rose again in a different form. But, you know, there's different layers where we're learning and we're awakening to different levels of what is and we're still doing that, right, because we don't know all that is. Even at this stage, no matter how old you are, we're still learning every single day and we're just letting go of the many, many, many layers. Yeah, yeah, and it's for it's infinite layers, right? I mean, you could say that that's the soul's journey through the universe and the cosmos is consistently finding the next layer of truth and awareness that there's, I mean, if we get a little bit bigger scale here, I've heard that that's sort of the idea of, of what we would call God or source is that, which is the ultimate awareness, right? Where Mm -hmm. you have the complete full total experience. And even then I've heard that even source is still unfolding and still in the process of that expansion of awareness, which is a big concept, but it just allows us to see that life is about change and shifting in perspective, because there's always more to come into awareness and to understand and to know. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. What you just described then was that, you know, the realization. So I sort of see it in very basic terms, in terms of first we have empowerment and then we have the awakening and then we move towards realization. Of course, there are many stages in between that. And when I say realization, I mean realize in the realization that we are one and that there is no separation. And for some of us that ha- might happen before we transition, for others it may not. Who knows? It's all perfect. Well, we're all working towards it, I think. We, we always have been, but at a quickened pace, I would say now, there's more people having spiritual awakenings, more yeah. so to the idea that we are all connected. And it, it does tie into the ego, right? Because when we don't believe that we're all one, we're very connected to our ego. It's me, myself, and I, and I need to focus on my gains and my experience and my losses and my this, that, and the other thing. And when we begin to open up and recognize, maybe I could focus on what's for the highest good of all, rather than just the self-interest of my of me. And that's not to say that we don't always want to do what's best for us, right? It's this balance between we, it's important to maintain boundaries with people so that we can maintain our inner peace, our confidence, our good feelings about ourselves. Because sometimes if we give too much of ourselves away, which can be, once we open our spiritual path, we might find ourselves being like, oh, I just want to help others and do this for others. But we we have to honor the, the, the balance of the universe, which is the ebb and flow, the give and take, right? We can't just be giving, we also have to receive. Absolutely. And that's, that's also something that I've had to learn over time too because, yeah. um, t- you know, because receiving is very feminine and I've lived in the masculine for so many years. That's how I built my business. Yeah. And so I needed to, that's that's part of the letting go process, like letting go and allowing, allowing yourself to, to receive, which is really beautiful. And you will find that when you allow that, it just everything flows so uh, with grace and ease and really embodying you know, both energies. Absolutely. And it ties into what you were saying, Eleni, when you had your awakening that you had to let go of some of the masculine energy that wants to sort of control and wants mm-hmm. to be able to produce exactly what they want, how they want it. Yet the message through, through the divine feminine is that if you surrender and let go, then things will come to you even better than you might've planned. Then you might've tried to micromanage. <laughs> way better, way bigger, way more than you can possibly even imagine. And really in terms of this letting go process, for me, it's it's ongoing. You know, it's it's ongoing. It's every single day. It's a it's an intention not to try and control any outcome for anything. And it's about letting go because things happen in life. And as an example, yesterday I discovered a fraudulent transaction on my uh, bank account and I feel like me maybe even six months ago would have had a bigger reaction but I was like it'll be fine like I know it's going to be fine it'll be sorted and I really had that kind of feeling about it like it'll be fine just let go doesn't mean I don't do anything about it doesn't mean I don't call the bank doesn't mean I don't action what I'm supposed to action it just means that I have this knowingness that I don't have to get into this real masculine oh they better fix this now kind of thing it's just like it'll be it'll happen it's all good 
Yeah. Well, that is very gracious of you. It can be. And, you know, like you said, we all have our moments. Sometimes we face these challenges and these unexpected events with, with grace and with patience. Other times we're still going to be frustrated. And even the most spiritual guru of them all will still have days where they. Absolutely. And that's part of our human experience. Yeah. But I, I really believe that, you know, what really is helpful and what helped me is to observe that, like to really observe our humanness and not judge it but just observe it so that when these kind of trigger moments or catalyst moments happen, we observe, well, what's really going on for me here? What am I really afraid of? Because if we have a reaction, we're afraid of something. And then as we observe ourselves without judgment, we will find that as time goes on, the reaction becomes smaller, that we are able to handle things completely differently to how we used to handle them. It doesn't mean that we never have a reaction that is considered negative. It just means that if we really put our spiritual practice in practice, that that that's the goal, right? The goal is to, to just surrender again that doesn't mean give up that doesn't mean no don't take action but really surrender to this moment whatever this moment is giving us and knowing that everything will be fine and there's always something higher that we don't understand yet or that we haven't seen or we haven't connected the dots and letting go yes yes absolutely that's a big big part of it is that in that development right the personal development of being less reactive which by the way is also so much more pleasant than being in this space of reactivity. Mm-hmm. I've spent a lot of my life being so reactive to everything where I felt vigilant and frustrated a lot. And it's a terrible feeling and it's very exhausting. It's emotionally, physically oh. exhausting to be responding in this way. And it does indicate things that we've held on to, yet it can also indicate, as you were speaking to, a, a not taking care of ourselves or not, and maybe being too much of a giver and not receiving what we need for sustenance to keep us. Mm -hmm. Cause I use the analogy that if we, you know, we keep taking things on, like, sure, I'll do this, I'll do this. And we're working and we're a mom and we're running a household and we have errands to run and all these things. And we're filling our bucket up with overwhelm, right? It's like all these tasks. And then we don't have much capacity for any extras, right? Because I know for me, when I am in that space of, okay, I have all these things to do, and then I get a fraudulent bank statement, I would lose it because I don't have any reserves, right? I don't have that within me to handle that. Whereas if I'm super relaxed and I've taken care of myself and I'm not overwhelmed, something like that can happen and I'll handle it the way that you described, right? Where you say, okay, kind of frustrating, yet it'll be fine. It'll sort itself out. Absolutely. One thing, you know, with being, I guess, my age, which is 55 now, is that I absolutely live by that mantra, Whitney. I used to be that person that overextended in every area of my life. I don't do that. I, I If it's not simple, if it's not easy, if it's not fun, I'm not doing it. So I just don't. <laughs> I'll, you know, somebody else will do it for me, but I'm not doing it. So somebody else who enjoys doing it or whatever, I I, I will do things for other people, absolutely, but it comes from my heart, not from obligation. So the way that I live my life now is not how I used to live it 20 years ago. Now it's all about 
do I want to do this from my heart? And if I do, I do it lovingly with all my heart and I give all my presence. If I don't want to do something, I just don't do it. There's no way. (laughs) And I think that's the only way to be because when we do it, anyways, even if we don't want to, then we're doing it out of obligation and it shows, right? If we talk about energetically, if we show up begrudgingly, right? It's evident. I remember I was working for some, a committee one time and it was one of those things where, you know, you're supposed to be of service, right? You're supposed to show up and have your service. And I got asked to do something. And I told my friend and I said, man, I just, I have so much to do this week. I really don't want to do that. And she said, well, if you, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Because when you, if you take something on that you don't want to do, it impacts not just you, but those who are present, right? So whoever I was going to come to help out, they would notice if I was like, okay, I'm here. Like I showed up. You're not in the right space. You're energetically not going to be aligning with that. So it's not only not for the best, for your best interest, it's not for anyone else's best interest that you're helping, quote unquote, right? Exactly. Because then what would happen is that at some point there would be resentment coming up. Yeah, and even if you feel it. And even if they can't feel it at that point, there's going to be some sort of energy that they're going to feel from you at some point. Yeah. But I will even take that a step further and it doesn't necessarily translate just for other people but even for yourself. Like I had this realisation the other day that, um, you know, sometimes I, I force myself to meditate when I don't want to, I don't feel like it. And then I thought that's like sitting, so sitting down with source and being resentful of it. So source is not even going to show up. So I need to be happy and really wanting to sit with God, source, in that moment. It's almost like sitting with my dad. So, like, you know, if I want to visit a member of my family that I really love, like I'm looking forward to seeing them. And so I decided that I wasn't going to meditate unless I, in my heart, wanted to spend my time with source in that moment. And since I have had that shift in mindset, I'm getting downloads so much quicker than I was before because before it was like, Mm. so when is it going to (laughs) come? So it's about that as well. Even the things we do for ourselves, like are are we doing them lovingly for ourselves? Completely, completely. And I think that that's something that a lot of people don't embrace because we do have this sort of mentality of just do it. Just don't, don't make excuses, make yourself do it. And I will say there's a time and place for, cause I've definitely had times where maybe say I didn't want to exercise and then I did, and I had a great workout and I felt great afterwards. So, you know, it's, nothing's always black or white, but what you're saying is more so that when we're feeling not aligned with it, when we're doing something just because we are supposed to do it because it's allotted in our schedule for the day and we're supposed to make a gratitude list every day or meditate every day mm-hmm. or do this or that, just as you said, it's the all that ever matters is our intention in a situation. So if our intention is begrudgingly and we're like, well, I don't really want to be here, but I, I'm going to force myself to do it then that's not the right energy. Just as you said, that spirit source isn't even going to show up. We're not even going to be really communing because we're just, it's, it, it almost always, it goes all the way to our head, right? So we want to be in our heart space. Like you described that you realized the work you wanted to do was to help people get more into their heart. Well, when we truly want to do something, it's because we've dropped into our heart space. 
We're like, I just want to go and be out in nature. I want to go sit by a tree and just breathe with the tree and just be present there. Absolutely. And the more, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say this, this, this point that you brought up about exercise is a really interesting one, Whitney, because I used to be that person and it very much is part of, you know, my book in terms of, you know, how you make sure that you do those things so that you can stay healthy and fit and so on in terms of exercise. But I was addicted to exercise because I'm that person that I take things to the, to the furthest that I could possibly take them. And I would force myself for many years to get up at 5.06 a.m. to make sure that I went to the gym and no matter what, that's what I would do and that's how I started my day. So that was part of the letting go process, which is even though it's a positive activity, I am not going to force myself to do something that perhaps my body just really needs to sleep this week in the morning and it just needs to just nurture itself and have hot baths and long walks and meditation and it doesn't need to lift weights and really honoring and listening to the body and that that was a struggle and it's still a struggle for me because there's a conflict there in terms of oh you know is it what is really happening here is my soul actually saying let's not go to the gym or is my soul saying you know let's go to the gym and it's that wanting to know who is talking is it the ego or the soul that's actually making these messages and and really listening into that because even that can be enslavement even going to the gym every single day for you know six days a week is enslavement in my mind because it's this like I have to do this because I have to look a certain way I have mm-hmm. it's the only way I can feel this way and that is enslavement yeah, absolutely. And a lot of, you know, when we put it that way, a lot of us are enslaved to what we say that we have to do. And I know that for me, so I struggled with an eating disorder, a lot of body dysmorphia, fluctuation in weight, weight critiquing, body critiquing, all of that. So I got to the point where, because I was like you, where I would say, well, I have to do this work and I have to do that. And I realized, well, now I'm going to try the opposite, which is anytime I say have to, I'm going to say, well, then I'm not going to do it. If I say, no, you have to do 30 minutes of running today, I'm going to say, actually, I'm not going to do it just for the principle of not forcing myself to Mm -hmm. do something. And so what I started doing was just focusing on movement. I said, I want to honor my body and move each day. So however I feel called, I'm going to make sure to move my body in some form every day. And as I moved into this, that I started getting more attuned with my intuition because I found that on certain days I was like, I want to put on music and dance in my living room for however long to get my movement in. And other times my body was just yearning to go outside and go for a walk and be in nature. And other times it was, you know, wanting to do yoga and stretch my body. So, but when you're stuck on that track of no, don't listen to your intuition, you you just follow along these rigid lines, you're not opening yourself to you're almost shutting your body down your your body our bodies speak to us all the time and whether it's food or exercise or other ways we tell our body to shut up a lot right no shut up you can't eat today Mm. I said no no we're going to the gym I don't care if you're tired I don't care if you need sleep and that you know that's a precarious position to put ourselves in is to not listen to our bodies 
Oh, absolutely. For me, even if I had three hours sleep, even, you know, before COVID, I used to travel to the States four times a year and I would um, present a lot and do a lot of presentations and workshops and retreats. It didn't matter what I was doing, where I was doing it, I was training that morning. So I was always training every single morning and that's the way that I live my life. But it worked for me back then. It felt like it worked for me, but who knows what was really going on to my nervous system. Um, it wasn't until I stopped all of that that I realised that I was actually quite fried in terms of my nervous system. But it's interesting, the transition, because then I stopped going to the gym for about 18 months, Whitney, because it was just like, no, I am not going to be enslaved anymore. And then I didn't like the way that I started to look. I started to get all saggy, baggy. And then it was like, actually, just be okay with that. Like, allow myself to be okay with that. And then there came a time when I was ready to go back to the gym and ready to lift weights again because that's what I love doing and it feels good and I feel strong when I'm doing it. But being very mindful of observing myself and and how I critique my body. Like at the moment, as an example, I'm holding um, about five kilos more than I normally hold and just sending love, love to every bit of flab I can see because I feel good. And that's what I keep saying to myself. I actually feel really fit. I do long walks and everything. I don't train as long as much as I used to, but I feel good. I feel healthy. And the result of not training as often as I used to means that I am flabby. But l- loving the flab, like it's okay. It really is. It's absolutely okay. It's totally awesome and fabulous however our body is showing up. And that was a big turning point for me, Eleni, the same sort of thing. Mine was just, um, was weight gain. It was a few years ago. I had a rough breakup and I was just eating everything in sight. And within five weeks, I'd gained like 15 pounds. And my usual mentality is, okay, we're going on a crash diet. We're going to lose the 15 pounds in like two weeks. But then I was sitting there and I was like, I'm hungry. You know, I want to eat food. I want to take care of myself. And so what I did is, because just like you said, you notice the changes in your body. And if you've been one that's sort of like a drill sergeant about working on eating, your your first go-to is to criticize it, right? Like, well, this shouldn't be here and this shouldn't be so big. But I made myself sit in front of my mirror naked and just be like, can you just look at it and see that it's okay, that there's nothing wrong here? Because that was the biggest thing for me was that it felt like something was wrong, when my body wasn't how I thought it should be. But when I looked at it and saw that it's still a beautiful, remarkable creation tool thing that I am very grateful for, I was like, yeah, let's just rock it. Like, you know, your butt's looking good. Your, your, this is looking good. You got some curves. Let's just, let's just enjoy it. Let's embrace what is right. Rather than that critical mind that says, no, it shouldn't be like this. Exactly, because we're so deeply conditioned. Yeah, all of us. Ego, right? That's I mean, talk so, about ego. That's your ego. So deeply conditioned that we have to look a certain way. We just open social media and we can see how everybody else looks. And it really is a process of loving, loving the way we are, because this magical, beautiful body is carrying our soul and is the vehicle for carrying our soul. And it's really about how you feel. And so that's what my barometer is now. So I had this diary, this, um, I didn't know I'm going to be talking about this today. I had this diary from 2014, Whitney, that every single day until very recently, I put my weight. So I would put my weight, uh, the percentage of water, 
percentage of muscle. So I weighed myself every single day. And that sort of dictated, you know, my judgment on myself until I realized that that is like the book of shame. That was like my book of shame. Like, and the comments that I would write next to some of the things years ago, like are ridiculous. Like it's that first um, sultana that put me on the, off the wrong track, you know, that kind of like ridiculous kind of comments. So it was like, let that go. Don't look at it. And just how does it feel? Like, yes, I've got five kilos. I don't know what that translates to pounds. Five kilos more than I usually do at the moment. But I actually feel really good. I feel really strong. I feel really healthy. I can walk really fast. I feel really good. So who cares that I'm carrying um, weight around my middle section? Because I am. Who cares? Yeah. And that's the liberating part. That's the freedom. That's when we unshackle ourselves from the chains that said, if you're not this, then you're not acceptable. And it comes back to core beliefs that we have, right? Which is conditioned. They're all conditional, right? What you speak to in, you know, what you inspire in others, like helping them open their heart, follow their soul, follow their soul's calling, fall in love with yourself. These are all unconditional traits. It's saying plus or minus five kilos, you know, plus or minus certain, a certain look, this or that doesn't matter. You're still, cause if you're with your soul, your soul does not have a physical presence. Your soul creates your physical presence just to have mm-hmm. a, a vehicle to have the experience of life. It has no preference about how we look or how we come across. And when we can embrace that and t- cause it's, it means connecting with our soul more, right? And I also think about Eleni, when you speak to getting into that drama of, trying to micromanage and criticize and our weight and what we eat and our, how we look and all of that, that's usually a sign that we've dove straight into ego because when we're not connected with our soul, we don't feel like we have a purpose. Cause again, you speak about helping people follow their soul's calling, their soul's path, their soul's purpose. Well, when we don't have that, we don't know what to do with ourselves. So I know for me that that whole game of trying to manage my weight and what I ate was like this big old drama that consumed all my thoughts. Cause I had nothing else. What was I going to do with all my energy? But that's why when you mm-hmm. shift into, into unconditionality and you just open yourself to your soul's path, that is the greatest purpose you'll ever feel. And all those other things fall to the wayside, your weight and your success and all those things. But ironically, those things will come. A lot of people will say that they reach just like a natural weight with themselves, a natural balance, a natural, again, like exercise. They just do it because they want to. It's not forced when they more so align with their soul. Absolutely. But I really feel that we at this time, all of us, we need to be more aware of how we perceive others because we perceive them to be beautiful. Like you hear it all the time, but what does beautiful mean? For me, beautiful is all about energy. It's all about that. You can really feel someone's energy and how beautiful their light is and how bright their light is shining. But when we continue to say to people, oh, you look fantastic. Did you lose weight? Yeah. Like, oh, you're looking really good. Even that, even the positive statements is an affirmation of this conditioning and the programming that we're so deeply entrenched in. We've got to stop. We really have to stop, um, you know, saying that or feeling or thinking that someone is better because of the way they look. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's deeply conditioned in us. 
Do you yeah, think- just look at the way people look these days. Like, you know, the, the amount of effort they do to look different to how they actually look. And so it's it, that is deep conditioning. And why do you need to look like that? Because you believe there's a part of you deep down inside that believes that you will not be liked or respected or appreciated or whatever, that you're not good enough if you don't look a certain way. You're not good enough if you have, um, you know, wrinkles in your forehead. You're not good enough if you have thin lips. You're not good enough if you're not slim. You're not good enough, you know, it just goes on and on and on and on. And you can see, you know, today the young girls from a very young age, from children, change the way that they look. And it really is something that we have to be so aware of, of this need to look a certain way. And to not be happy with who we are. You know, I asked this question to Spirit about, um, you know, if I put makeup on, is does that is that all from ego? And what Spirit said is that it all depends on um, intention. So you might put makeup on because it's fun. Like it's fun, like it's a fun thing to do to put lippy on and to do your face and do your hair and it's part of the joy of life to embody the beautiful joy of life or you might put makeup on because you really believe that you're ugly without it. See, it's completely different. One's coming from fullness and expansion and one's coming from lack and so there's no right or wrong, like it's bad to wear makeup. It's all about what's the intention? So I guess for people listening out there and listening to this conversation, because that's what I'm always asking myself, what's the intention? What's the intention? What do I feel like I need to put eyeliner on today? What's the intention? And, and that's why I've gone through doing many videos without makeup and really pushing the boundaries in terms of my belief system. So yeah, if you're listening out there, ask yourself, what's the intention that you need to look a certain way? Is it because you're really joyous and having fun with yourself and your experience of life or is it because you believe that you are not pretty enough if you don't? Yeah. I think it's important to be to also encourage people though to be gentle with themselves, right? Oh, because there's a good reason why many of us feel that we won't be loved or accepted if we're not attractive. And that takes a while to work towards a place just like your weight, right? Like until we're we, we can tell ourselves all day, your weight doesn't matter. We don't want to yell at ourselves. We don't want to criticize ourselves and, and punish ourselves because we still care. You know, I cared about my weight until I didn't, you know, and it took what it took. And then it took me almost two years to lose the weight that I gained. And then it just kind of hit a natural spot. And I still have preferences, but it doesn't mean as much. And I think the same goes for wearing makeup and how we look, which is, I also would love to be able to believe that I could be not dressed up and still just as radiant, but I don't feel that way. And so I'm kind of in between what you just said, where it's, I love doing my makeup. I like the artist artistry that's involved, but I also know that part of it is based in fear because I don't want to be perceived as unattractive. So I'm on my journey, you know, I think, but I think it's important that we all have patience and grace with ourselves that says, and just like you said, it's like we check in each day and we say, what's going on for you? What's your intention for this? And if the if that day we say, I'd be afraid to not show up 
with makeup because I'm afraid that people won't perceive me as beautiful and we can say, okay, and maybe we try again or we try to get to that point. But I just think it's it's important to, because when people tell us that we have to do something sometimes, then we do it even if it doesn't align with how we really feel, right? Which is the same thing again, like when I work with people with eating disorders, you can't tell somebody like, don't care about your weight anymore to stop. Mm. That's, you know, because it's deep in there. It's become a, a neuroses for people that they've really tied something very sacred to. And in order to release that, it only happens with gentleness, right? So I believe it will change. I mean, we're finding ourselves at, it feels like the pinnacle of that, right? Because now we have social media on top of TV and movies and every other outlet. It used to just be magazines and TVs, but now it's constantly a a barrage on our phone of gorgeous, perfect looking people who get so much attention for it, right? So it's going to take time for us to realize, I think we're hitting the peak, but it's going to come down because we're going to say, what is that even, what is the true value of that, right? Of being, as of looking perfect, right? Of seeming good enough. And I think that the more that we recognize that there is no true value to that. I mean, beauty is a thing, right? A trait of the divine feminine is beauty. It's it's attraction. The divine feminine is that which attracts the same that it receives. That's the same thing, right? We, we are attractors. So we, a part of us is we like to be our radiant self, but just as you said, it doesn't mean having to look what everybody else would consider beautiful. You know, I know big waking wake up moments for me have been when I was felt rejected by somebody and I thought, well, if I had been prettier, they would have liked me. They would have loved me. And then I, they met somebody else and it was somebody who was very natural and didn't wear much makeup and was themselves. And it was like, whoa, you know, what is it that really attracts your soulmate? Is it having the right look or being your true self? Yeah, that's a very good question because I, I believe that the more um, you try and look a certain way or be a certain way, you're not going to attract your soulmate because that's not the real you. Yeah. You're just not because it's not the real you. Um, but, you know, if you really align, like you said, align with who you really are. First of all, though, I want to say thank you for being so honest because, you know, there's a lot of honesty there that you shared in terms of, you know, being real about where we're at. And I just wanted to add that it's exactly what you said, no judgment. So um, I believe it's all about where we gain our superpowers is from observation of self but not judgment of self. So when I say ask about what your intention is, it doesn't mean if the answer is, yeah, because I, f- I fear, I really do fear that I'm, I'm not pretty enough, that's okay. That's where you're at. Like yeah. that's a part of the human experience. Just know it. Just observe it. Don't judge that aspect of it. So I'm so glad that you brought that up because it's so important. We, we need less judgment, not more judgment. So we need yeah. to let go of the judgment but just be the... Just just be the compassionate observer of self. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking to ourselves the way that we would to a child or a best friend, which is out of curiosity, right? When a child says like, I'm so angry, I'm so upset. And we'll say, why? What's going on? What do you, well, this, this person, you know, they didn't, they didn't talk to me. Oh, well, why do you think that was? We talk them through. We don't say, what are you stupid? What do you care what they think? Or <laughs> that person wasn't trying to do that. 
So again, that's the same thing we can do is, is be like, oh, okay, well, what are you really afraid of? And ultimately the whole image thing comes down to believing that we're not going to be loved. We're going to miss out, right? That we're not worthy of love. But again, you can find time and time again, people usually, what I've heard is meet their soulmate when they just, they're like, this is who I am. And you know what? If I, if it means living the rest of my life on my own, sounds great. Sounds like good company to me. I just had someone on my podcast who they made that declaration after like a 10 year long abusive relationship. They took time to themselves and they said, you know, I really like who I am. And if this is what it is, I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. I'm good with me. The next week they met their soulmate at a conference. Of course. Cause I let right? it go. Yeah. Of course, Because so, they were finally okay with who they were. Yeah. And that's all that anyone could ever dream of having. And it, it's funny cause it's not, if, if for anyone who knows what it's like to reach that goal weight or to change how you look and you're like, okay, now I'll be happy, but then you're not, then you know the truth. That's when you realize you're like, huh, maybe that's not what it's all about. Yeah. It's not what it's all about. That's the big illusion that we think that if we have this thing, could be a material thing. If we have this thing, we have that many followers or we have, uh, this weight or this particular partner, this thing outside of us, we're going to be happy. That's that's the illusion. We're never going to find happiness that way. We have to be happy first inside. All of those extra things are just bonuses yes. that, um, that once we're aligned, they just come to us naturally. Yeah. There, there's a quote that I speak to often in the show that hit me when I was in my 20s because that, that was sort of the depths of just believing that if I just could be different, I would be happy. And I wasn't, I changed how I looked and how all these things. And I was still miserable. And I Mm -hmm. found this book and it said, it was, I forget the name of it, but the first page inside said, loving your, trying to love yourself from the outside in as a doomed prospect, because Mm -hmm. it's never going to happen that it has to come from within you love yourself mm-hmm. first. And then, and honestly, that's often when people will, will start to hear like, wow, you look so beautiful and radiant. What, what did radiant. you do? Yeah. And you're like, I'm just being me, baby. That's my aura. That's my essence that you're seeing. That's why I look fabulous. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting that, you know, when I first stepped into my femininity, which really was with my partner that I am now because of the kind of person he is, he brought that out in me. Uh, that was before the spiritual awakening that, I was getting those comments all the time about like, oh, my God, like you look amazing. And it was all about uh, radiance. It wasn't anything about weight or looks or hair or anything. It was all about mm-hmm. how I was feeling inside. Absolutely, Whitney. Well, yeah. Lenny, before we wrap up, let's touch because you're a big focus of your work is on shame, right? You have the show called The Shame Game. So it's about exploring because shame can also be a huge dictator and director of how we live our lives until we tend to it, right? And explore it. So share, if you could share a little bit of your thoughts around shame and the role that it can play in our lives. Yeah. The reason that I created this podcast was because um, I did a meditation and the meditation asked for me to remember a scene where I felt ashamed. And my ego mind immediately thought, oh, well, this isn't for you because you've done all your healing. Like, but let's just do this process anyway. And then a scene came up for myself from 27 years ago. And 
that scene was so deeply traumatic and even all the healing years that I've done, it was still deep inside my body that I spent hours crying it out and I knew that that blockage that was in my body, that needed to be released. I needed to forgive myself. And so that's why I created the podcast, The Shame Game, because I believe that we are our biggest judges. And when we're not compassionate towards ourselves, we're not going to be compassionate towards the world either. We have to be compassionate towards ourselves. We have to be okay with whatever actions we have taken in the past. We have to know that that doesn't define who we are because that's what shame is. Shame is an actual um, where you believe that that defines me. So I've taken this action and therefore this defines me. So as an example, and you know, you were a guest on my podcast and you talked about alcoholism and, you know, that belief that that's who you are. When clearly it's not who you are. <laughs> so that belief that we are that action, that we have done that thing, is needs to just be released. We need to love our flaws. We need to love who we are. We need to love our mistakes. And we need to be able to show the world that I love me for all of me, not just for the successful part of me, not just for the part of me on my best days, but the part of me that is human, the part of me that it wasn't my best moment. I didn't master that moment. I was angry. I did hurt someone. I spoke out of line. These are all things that we've all done. And they weren't our best moments, but they were our human moments. And that's why we're here having this human experience on planet Earth because this is the the beautiful, masterful school that we're all experiencing every kind of experience that we can possibly experience. Now, that doesn't mean that we should just excuse behaviour that hurts other people, but that does mean that we need to let it go, forgive ourselves, show compassion towards ourselves, love ourselves, and know that every behaviour that is not aligned with your highest self is coming from, from pain. It's coming from a place of lack. It's coming from a place of separation. And so, yeah, every week I interview a, a new guest on a different anything, could be anything. I've got, I had one guest who had an affair with her rapist and no judgment because that was her experience and understanding where those actions came from and understanding the pain that accompanied those actions so we could just share them and let them go. Absolutely. That's the only way that we free ourselves to release those things is by speaking to them and allowing them to be seen and acknowledged and then offering love to those parts of ourselves that we feel shame around. If we keep them in this deep, dark corner of ourselves, they'll never go away. And shame will truly come to drive a lot of our decisions and our actions and beliefs, right? If we have all this deep held shame, we're going to think that we are bad and that Mm -hmm. we need to do certain things. Again, conditionality. We need to do certain things to be lovable, to be worthy, to be of value. Because we have these shame pockets that say, well, because this happened to me or I did this, like I'm not good enough. And I I can't look at it. It's too painful. It's too dark. It's too gross. So I'm just going to deny those parts of myself. But we can't, but that's Mm -hmm. a part of our soul still, right? It's like trying to cut off our parts of our souls that we're trying, we don't like. 
but it's all a part of our glorious, perfect selves that that deserves a place always. Always. And what you said, Whitney, we are perfect. We are perfect. Like we were born perfect. So these these actions we've taken are just experiences. We are perfect. We are all divine beings of light. And so we've got to love ourselves for our perfection. And when we do that, when we truly, truly, truly do that, then the way you love others is next level. Yes, absolutely. And so often the things that we hold shame around and the things we have the most guilt or regret about, we don't always see that those were the exact experiences that we needed in order to get to what we were able to learn or or experience or know right it's it's actually really only the most challenging things that it's sort of like that the grit the like higher gear in life that levels us up without those we would just keep and but it's the challenging things that make us you know when we have something that we go through that's detrimental like addiction and we come out the other side and we have a choice we can either try to cover it up and have shame around it or we can embrace it and say this is what was the result of me believing that i was not safe, not good enough, and that I needed to soothe it myself. So I can either, as you spoke of, be curious about it and explore it so that I can then help others with it, or I can hide it away forever. Exactly. And the other thing about shame is it teaches us who we are not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, there was infidelity in my past and, you know, my biggest value is honesty, and yet I went against my biggest value. So it's like that's that's who I'm not. That's that's where I went. I was so lost from who I really was. I was so disconnected from from who I really was. I knew with certainty that that experience taught me who I was not. And how do we know who we are not um, unless we go down that that path? And that's what we're here on planet Earth to do is to see the duality because there's no duality in the other realms, but we experience we experience the duality here. So, you know, that it was like I'm not that person because how do I know I'm not that person? I felt so sick when I was that person, like mm-hmm. physically sick. I got irritable bowel syndrome. I had depression. I had chronic anxiety. I was emotionally, mentally, and physically unwell, I was completely misaligned with my soul, completely misaligned. And so I know I'm not. How do we know who we are when we're feeling aligned, when we're feeling content, when we're feeling at peace? A hundred percent. That's exactly it. That's ex- And that's why there, there's the phrase that I speak of often, which is every person we meet is an angel and every experience is a blessing. Because even the quote unquote worst things that happen to us is just as you said, we consider them the worst because they show us who we're, what we're not, right? What we, what we want less of, and then leads us towards what we want more of, right? And I felt the same way in my life about my addiction, the way that you felt about your affair is that the deeper I got into addiction, I would do things and be someone that I would say, this isn't who I am. And that's such a powerful statement. This is not who I am. Well, then who are you? Well, that's what we get to find when we release those things that we're not. And just as you said, we find, well, where do I feel the most peace? When do I feel the safest and most secure and good about who I am? That's who you are. That's when you're resonating with your soul. 
Exactly. And that's exactly what I've written in my book, Whitney, which is when I saw my ego and I realized that's not who I am. And then the question was, well, who the hell am I? <laughs> Good question. So it's, it's exactly what happened. It's exactly what the book's about. Yeah. That's not who I am. So who am I? And thank you so much for writing that book because you know what? So many people need to hear that because some people will literally live their whole lives just letting the ego run the show and not asking that question. But more and more people are asking that of, well, who am I? Because there's so many distractions in this world. We can make our whole life out of our career, our titles, our roles. And even if, and we, we know something's not right because just as you spoke of, our, our health is failing. We're, mm-hmm. we're struggling with our mental health emotionally we're distraught but that's kind of become the norm sadly because we've I won't get too far into this but we found a pill or a product for all of these things that ail us so that we can stay stuck in these cycles but certain times and I think it's our spiritual awakening where we say enough I'm tired of trying to cure the sickness that I created through being misaligned that's when our soul is like basically like shaking itself off and saying no more And that's when we come through our spiritual awakening and we start doing things that are aligned. And then we realize we don't need the pills or the products or the things that we thought we needed to feel good. And we start just feeling good. What do you know? Absolutely. So we have, we don't, we take the bandaid off Yeah. because all those pills and quick fixes are just band-aids. We need to just rip that band-aid off and what's really going on underneath. And that's how the healing happens. So for those of you who miss what Whitney just said, then I think you should rewind and listen because <laughs> there's a lot of wisdom in what this girl just said just in, in the last couple of minutes alone. So absolutely. Thanks, Eleni. Well, I, there's a lot of wisdom in your books and your podcast. So I appreciate you so much in this world, doing your thing. I'm, I'm grateful that you had that awakening and now are a voice in the world that inspires people. Just as I said, certain people just need that one little inkling that they might never have thought of themselves. Like, wait, I can live aligned with my heart. What does that mean? I can follow my soul's calling. What is that? Who am I? I don't know who couldn't help me figure that out. So we need more people speaking to this for those who have ears to hear, who are ready. They're ready for that awakening and opening. What do you mean I don't have to work it all out myself? What do you mean I don't have to work this hard in order to get money? What do you mean? Because yeah. <laughs> that's what we're all conditioned to believe. Yes. So, yeah, like doesn't yeah. compute. We're like, no, that can't be right. But I, And I'm a big, you know, I talk about this all the time, but I have a vision for the world where one day we're going to speak of these times as a parable. Can you believe we used to live that way? Can you believe that we used to force ourselves like drill sergeants, like slave drivers to ourselves to just push, push, push and produce and produce and be miserable and sick and tired and it's going to be a thing of the past. And we judged ourselves so much and we were so mean to ourselves and we expected so much of ourselves. Can you believe that? Absolutely. That that is absolutely going to happen, Whitney, for sure. (laughs) Well, because it's basically a macro version of what we just described individually, right? We said, I had an affair. I was an addiction. And I said, this is not who I am. I think as a society, as humanity, as a species, we're collectively saying right now, I don't know if this is who I am. I don't know if this is who we really are. People who grind ourselves and are detached from ourselves and who hate ourselves and who hurt ourselves and hurt each other. Is this who we are? So we're asking a bigger question right now, which is of the collective of humanity, which is who are we? 
which is a huge question. Massive. And the thing is, the answer keeps getting unraveled every day. But if we ask that, then we see who we are not, who we are not, who we are not, who we are not. The layers keep coming off. And underneath that layer, there's another layer and another layer. And that's part of the human experience. So it's fun. Good look at it like that. It's fun. It's a great time. It's a huge... (laughs) It, yeah, it's just this big old game and experiment. It's like, see how far we can throw ourselves from the truth and we work our way back. And it's all a game that we signed up for. Ultimately, the soul totally. wants, the soul is interested in every single experience. No matter how much we would label it bad or terrible, the soul just finds the exuberance and the nature of every single element of experience of life to be perfect and beautiful and wondrous. So when we can embrace that, we can start having more fun, just as you said. Yeah. All right, Eleni. Well, this has been so much fun talking with you. Thank you for joining me on my podcast. If people would like to find you, would like to get your books, hear your podcast, how can they find you? If you look at uh, my website, elenimitis.com, E-L-E-N-I-M-I-T-A-S.com. My podcasts are there, Soul Sisters Get Real, the shame game. And I've got a woo-woo one there called Galactic Guidance where I bring in channels who channel as well. So yeah, I've got three podcasts. So yeah, connect with me there on Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok. Wonderful. All those places. (laughs) Fantastic. And I'll have those in the show notes. Well, thank you again so much, Eleni. Enjoy your journey. Thank you so much for having me on. Take care. That wraps up our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening to Women Waken. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others and come back for more. If you'd like to connect with the Women Waken community, you can find us on Instagram at Women Waken. And if you follow Women Waken, you can get a free tarot card reading if you just send a DM. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your unique light shine into this world.